This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking again to researcher and writer Abdullah Hawez. He covers everything related to conflict in Kurdistan and then some. Abdullah is going to be speaking about the recent battle between uh, Kurdish PKK militants and the Turkish military. The Turkish military deployed forces to a place called Gara Mountain in Iraqi Kurdistan in the mountains where the PKK control and it all went absolutely haywire. Abdullah is going to explain how it went down. If you like what we're doing, please support us at patreon.com slash popular front okay abdullah um welcome back uh, firstly so let, let's go over what happened recently there was a situation in kurdistan where turkey i mean it's a little bit hazy they said they were going in to rescue some of their pow's they reckon they were going to be in and out in a day and it turned into this full on like small, small scale conflict for a few days. Um, maybe just go over from the start. What actually happened and, and what's going on now? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Turkey announced a new military operation in Iraqi Kurdistan. I mean, that's exactly what they said. The official announcement was that they are going to announce a new military operation in Gara Mountains. So Gara is around 40 kilometers within the uh, Kurdistan border. So it's 40 kilometers uh, far from the Turkish border. Um, it's a very mountainous area, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of PKK presence in this area. So they said it's a new military operation. And I personally thought, yeah, this is the thing. Although from day one, PKK announced um Turkey has bombarded a prison where uh, at least 13 Turkish captives were held. So we had this news from the beginning, but I personally thought the scope of the operation is wider. And this is, that was the uh, impression the Turkish media and, and the Turkish officials gave at the time. But uh, we did have a clue that it was it was an um, operation uh, focused on uh, rescuing the captives mm. because PKK did say that from day one. Um, so the whole operation lasted four days. And obviously it lasted with the uh, death of all the captives. Mm. And in the Turkish media, it's it obviously this whole thing about rescuing the captives became a huge thing and even now there's a lot of talk from the opposition from the ruling party about what happened mm. i think there's still a lot of speculation of what happened and pkk media and for pkk people actually took it as a victory that P uh, turkey uh turkish goal was obviously to rescue the the captives and they failed so in in I think overall you could say yeah it was it was even if it's a small victory you could say it was this was a, a victory for for PKK because PKK in all the areas where uh, Turkey airdropped their soldiers they faced a very fierce resistance from from um, PKK fighters which was three different locations and. Although, obviously, at the end, they managed to take the bodies of their captives. But the overall mission, you, you, would, you could say, was a, a, a failure because, obviously, they, they failed to rescue them because that was the, the objective of the whole operation. Yeah, they definitely did fail in that regard. Um, let's talk about the prisoners. Who, who were these, these people? Because th there's a lot of people that don't realise that Whilst, yes, the PKK are a guerrilla force, they're a lot more advanced, a lot more long in the teeth than a lot of guerrilla forces. They've got, in, in you know, intel units, they managed to capture MIT agents, Turkish intelligence agents. Let's go over who the prisoners actually are. So according to uh, the profiles of the prisoners that was released from the Turkish side, mm. 
they were apparently soldiers and police that were uh, captured by uh, PKK mostly inside Turkey, uh, mostly in the south southeast of Turkey, and obviously they managed to uh, take them to uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. So they were mostly uh, soldiers and uh, police. But we have to remember PKK have also taken um, MIT agents and other people as well. So uh, the Turkish side, especially the Turkish defense minister, tried to show them, to show at least some of them as civilians, I, which is, I think, not true. They were not civilians. They were uh, soldiers and people who were working with the Turkish uh, security Apparatus. Yeah, well, well, not only did uh, the Turkish government say they're all civilians, a lot of the Western press said it as well. They just came and said, oh, they're civilians. It's like, well, you know, I, whether you hate the PKK or like the PKK, that is irrelevant. There is civilian and there is non-civilian and they were soldiers and policemen. So The, the thing about PKK is people, I mean, obviously PKK have made, have made a lot of mistakes in the past, but I think they have tried to rebrand themselves and they have been trying to avoid, you know, um, doing anything with the civilians. They did, they do have a history in the past that yes. where they have done it. But I mean, to be honest, most of the non-state actors and, and guerrilla militias, they have done mistakes. This is how guerrilla warfare works. You cannot always be 100% accurate. I mean, if you think about this whole thing, if you, if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, is there any party involved in this conflict that have been killed civilians? I mean, let's be realistic, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so both, both sides have done it a lot. Yeah. Somehow show they are, you know, the uh, the innocent side in this conflict. No, you. It's it's. If you look at the bigger picture, you have also killed a lot of civilians. We have actually independent. Uh, independent observers and uh, organizations who are somehow monitoring this conflict and they have uh, at least documented some of the civilians who have been killed obviously some of them by pkk and some of them by the, the turkish security forces so this argument i mean if normal people or activists are you know trying to push this narrative i understand it it's you know you try to push your side but you are if you are an let's say, uh, observer or analyst, you have to be a bit more, you know, um, let's say, objective and realistic about what's going on. Well, yeah, and, and just correct, you know, like, it's, 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 it's very weird to me, honestly, I don't want to go on a rant about the media, but seeing this, like, big media immediately jumping on it and saying, these are all civilians, when the Turkish government themselves released martyr cards you know the the images of them with the these guys are in military uniform like a lot of them were soldiers and then when you look at 2015 when all the bodies burned in the basement in jizra like people that i actually knew i know myself they were civilians and and nobody really you know no one cared about that it's, it's i don't know it's a very weird very weird way to look at it um but yeah so so we know that these these prisoners there's you know they all ended up dying we'll get onto that in a bit um but maybe just give us an idea of the scale of the conflict like a lot of people that are not aware of the I guess combatability of the PKK will be like, how the hell did a load of guerrillas manage to, you know, turn this into a four-day conflict for like NATO's second largest army? Like, give us an idea of the actual warfare, what happened. Okay, so the scope of the conflict was around Gara Mountain. So Gara Mountain is a very wide and uh, long mountain. It's it's uh, stretched from western Duhok, uh, eastern Duhok province all the way to western Erbil province. So it's, a, it's around um, 40 kilometers long. And there are a lot of villages around this um, uh, mountain. So the actual conflict concentrated mostly on the eastern side of Gara Mountain. And I would say around 50 to 90 villages were... Uh, affected by the conflict. And during the four days, there has been a nonstop uh, bombardment of the area from uh, Turkish warplanes and drones. Um, so the thing about this area, PKK have managed 
through the years to turn it to a, a so sophisticated network of caves. They have tunnels. They have, you know, somehow they have prepared for such days as what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. So they, I think they knew and they know Turkey will push, may, may try to uh, push deeper and uh, get to these areas where uh, PKK is active. So somehow they have prepared for these days. So they have a lot of tunnels. And the thing you have to remember, the in February, the, the area is very snowy and uh, PKK is much more, um, um, let's say, um, caught with the uh, environment, mm. with the snowy environment, with the geography of the area. So they, they are also much more familiar with it. So these are all... I mean, obviously, having sophisticated weapons is important, but in such tough geography, uh, other other elements can play a huge role as well, such as being familiar with the area, uh, you know, uh, the environment. All these play uh, an important role, and I think uh, PKK tried to translate these advantage and try to somehow, um, yeah, make the helpful. <laughs> Uh, to Turkish soldiers. Yeah, I mean, they really did. I saw a little bit of footage from there. And, you know, anyone that knows anything about war will know that the terrain is just hell. Like, it's jagged rocks, it's valleys, it's tunnels, it's caves. For, for a conventional military, like, that is hard for anyone. Um, what happened to the Turkish side then? Like, what, where did they suffer? Because I know they were dropping in troops via helicopters. They were sending fighter choppers. How did they, you know, kind of end up in this, this quagmire? So they, from, from what I know, from local sources, from local media, from people that I have talked to, um, obviously, apparently, Turkey had prior uh, information about uh, the captives. So it may be obviously that the objective of the whole operation was to um, rescue their their um, captives. So they dropped soldiers in three different locations. Uh, one of them is on the top of the mountain, which is obviously the, the terrain is much more um, challenging. And then they also dropped uh, soldiers in two villages, which are uh, a little more plain. And from the obviously there are varying numbers about how many soldiers were were dropped but i think they were uh, some say more than a thousand some even say two thousand so the numbers were huge the thing is we still really don't exactly know what happened because there you have turkish media who say their own you know version of what happened you have pkk media and then I think if you are an observer like me, you have to read both and then try to um, understand understand the whole picture based on you know uh, pulling all, all these different and conflict, uh, conflicting information. So it seems that PKK did manage to um, resist the Turkish soldiers. By resisting, I mean they managed to clash with the Turkish side, which made it much more difficult for the Turkish soldiers to stay on the ground. Because, first of all, uh, at least on the mountains, from what I heard from people, they were somehow, in one location, they were actually uh, surrounded by, by PKK soldiers and uh, PKK uh, fighters, and they actually, uh, Turkish choppers, managed to rescue them so that in one situation that the the in one location the situation was really uh dangerous for the turkish side uh so the 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 thing about yeah the, the thing about this is that pkk did manage to clash with the turkish soldiers in every single location where uh turkish troops were 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 dropped uh, but how many Turkish soldiers were killed, we still don't know. I mean, Turkey obviously have their own version and PKK have their own version. We don't mm. really know. Uh, but uh, at least several Turkish soldiers were killed. This is like, um, this is even, the Turkish side confirmed three. Mm. PKK says, I think around 14. 
it's probably something in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And the PKK, they announced some of their fighters, right? I think they lost, like, I don't know, what was it, 10 maybe or something? 14. 14, they even okay. published. Yeah, they published their... Uh, I think the 14 were guards of the prison where mm. the uh, captives were held. And then Turkey obviously said something around 50. We don't really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the problem. So what is this prison? Like, give us an idea of this, because it's not, you know, these are gorillas. It's not a conventional prison just sat there. How, how are they having their own prison in, in the, the Gara Mountain there? So again, there, is, uh, there are several versions of the nature of this prison, how mm. these prisoners were uh, kept there. The thing, these areas, many of these areas actually are... Um, controlled by PKK, especially on the top of the mountain. As you said, the terrain is crazy. I mean, normal, these areas have not been firmly controlled by anyone for hundreds of years, by the way. Even during the Ottoman Empire, these areas were no man's land somehow. So mm -hmm. everybody was, you know. Uh, so th this area is, is uh, as I said, difficult. But PKK since the 19s have managed to obviously um, make this area their own territory and given that they have been there for a very long time so they have tried to build presence let's say within the within caves this is at least the the version that uh the turkish side is um giving which i think it, probably that's that's true it, it's probably that person is probably in a cave yeah, it, it makes sense in terms of um, the geography and how things are in this area. Uh, how PKK have managed to have a prison? Obviously, as you said, PKK uh, people may may see PKK as a simple guerrilla uh, militia, but PKK is much more sophisticated than this. They have actually many institutions, and they do even have an intelligence arm. Now they have. Um, they have a unit where they have uh, drones, they have uh, presence, they do it. I mean, PKK is, uh, is, is a mini state for in itself. And they are the thing with PKK because it's very decentralized and we only see the few PKK people who are in Kandil. You see, oh, this is PKK. It's, it's actually PKK and its um, institutions are a bit more sophisticated than this. One example, I'll, I'll give one example so that people understand. In Suleimania around 2007, 2000, uh, it was around 2016 or 17. So there was an attempt by MIT to capture or kill Jamil Baig, which is the uh, de facto leader of uh, PKK. And so PKK knew about the plot they actually reversed it and arrested both the PK, uh, MIT agents and they even showed them on TV later. How did PKK do that? Because they, as I said, they have their own um, intelligence and they do have a lot of uh, good sources on, on, on the ground. So um, as I said, yeah, PKK do have a lot of different uh, units and they, they, Again, they, they do have presence. They may, I'm sure they have many more presence in Kandil, in, in Gara and elsewhere. Yeah, and, and what you were just talking about there, for anyone that hasn't seen it, there is um, there's a video online, people can go and watch it, they'll find it somewhere, of basically PKK militants, but you know, in, in plain clothes with balaclavas on, arresting members of the Turkish uh, intelligence services when they came after Jamal Bayek, like you just mentioned. It is an insane video, really, because at first watching, you would think the roles were reversed. You would think that it's Turkish intelligence agents, you know, coming to arrest militants, but it's the other way around. It's quite, you know, it's quite something. It's an, it's an incredible thing to see, um, just from like how the organization would have gone, you know, the organizing that would have gone into it. And also, there's an incredible documentary that people should watch called... Um, I think back her north and basically they go into the mountains with the PKK and they go underground and there's a fucking hospital like underground in the in the caves in the mountains like it's a fully kitted out hospital basically like it's incredible so they got a lot going on down there 
Um, Abdullah, what, what, let, let's just talk about Iraq and Kurdistan for a second. So, like you said, PKK, they do control that area, but they're in the autonomous zone of Kurdistan, which is in the country of Iraq. And Turkey just went in there. Like, firstly, what did Barzani, uh, what did the KDP say? And secondly, what has Iraq said about this? KDP and KRG, I mean, KDP is the ruling party and KRG is Kurdistan regional government. And they were silent. Uh, they didn't say anything at all. Uh, Iraq, obviously, through uh, not uh, through the prime minister, but several figureheads in the Iraqi state did uh, talk and condemn the uh, what they call Turkish violation of Iraqi sovereignty. But yeah, uh, it's it's just uh, condemnations. And the thing is, Iraq doesn't have any actual control, any military control of uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. And they cannot actually, they're not allowed to, to enter uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. So it's, it's uh, what they can do is mostly um, condemnations. The actual, uh, the actual uh, control of the area is, is controlled by KDP, this side. But Kurdistan itself, Iraqi Kurdistan, is controlled partially by KDP, the ruling party, and then by PUK, which is um, uh, another uh, party that also is part of the KRG. The area is controlled by KDP, and at the time they were silent, but later after the operation ended, uh, an advisor to the um, uh, Kurdistan president, uh, Babakir Zebari, who is also a um, uh, a family member of the Barzani family, he said, uh, we didn't know about the operation, but we think the operation was successful and Turkey achieved its goals. So um, this is all what they said, but I think obviously they cannot do much about it. They are, uh, they are becoming more and more like a... Um, client actor of Turkey because mm. economically they are very dependent on Turkey and the thing the fact is uh, because the US role is gradually whether we like it or not is declining in the Middle East the smaller actors have to rely on regional players it's just the thing is this it has been this way for a very long time for Kurds it's nothing new for hundreds of years even Kurdish principalities, let's say three, four hundred years, they always were either allied with Ottomans or with the Persian empires like Safavids and others. So for Kurds, I mean, people may not know about the history, but this is how it has been. So it's for me, as somebody who has read about Kurdish history, I'm not surprised that things are the way they are unfortunately yeah i mean like what was it mahabad where it lasted like what 40 days or something like that it didn't last long when they did it on their own right mahabad republic which yeah. some people call kurdistan republic was in a, a small part of iranian kurdistan and uh because they were heavily reliant on the soviet union it lasted for as you said for a very um, small period because Soviet Union withdrew its support and it collapsed. Let's talk about the prisoners now. So there's a lot of um, speculation. There's a lot of what I would consider just bias reporting on this. A lot of people immediately, without proof, without a single photo of a body, without anything, just said, yep, the PKK executed them all. Now, the PKK said, no, we didn't execute them. There were airstrikes. Uh, Turkey dropped airstrikes on their on the positions. Now I've seen the footage. The PKK, to be fair to them, have released more footage about it than anyone else. They've said, "Here's the footage of strikes." You can see some kind of strike happening in the in the mountain area there. But they were meant to be in a cave, so I, I don't know how an airstrike would kill you like that in a cave. I'm not sure how it works. But again, there is footage, and Turkey has released some footage, or at least one of the soldiers did. They're kind of crawling around in the cave, but they don't show a single body. It's all very weird. Um, let's talk about it. What, what do you think has happened, and what are people saying happened to the prisoners? So there, there are uh, three versions of what happened. <laughs> Two were pushed by PKK. First, they said uh, there were airstrikes. Actually, they said that from the 
first day of the operation. Mm. Uh, it's all over the internet for people to see. Um, but later, PKK have actually changed. They said uh, Turkey has used chemical weapons. Wow. And there's this version as well. Um, but the thing is, we have some clue that they may have been actually uh, executed by PKK. It, this version, to me, obviously, we, we still don't have solid proof. But this version makes more sense, and it's it 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 you can it, you can say it also somehow corroborates with what we have seen. Mm. The thing is, we had thirteen people. One of them was actually Iraqi Kurd, which PKK accused of spying, and later his body was returned to Iraqi Kurdistan in Duhok. Yeah. So we have that. seen kind of the body mm. uh, where he has been shot. Uh, so we have this. The problem is we don't know how they were killed, but the bodies, at least some of them, the Turkish side claims were seen by their family. Mm -hmm. But the, as I said, the, because of the, the, the climate in Turkey, we don't really know what's happening again, because whatever you do, you may end up in prison. This is another problem. Um, but for me, there, there are two things. Uh, if they were killed by an airstrike, obviously their body would be much more damaged. Yeah. Um, which we haven't seen that. At least I, as I said, my my, what I'm saying is based on the uh, pictures I have seen of the Iraqi Kurdish guy who was also among the thirteen that were killed. Was it? Would you? So um, he was executed. You think he was shot in the head? Basically, you're saying. Uh, I think he was executed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, based on the pictures of his body that we have seen. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, again, this makes sense because the uh, prisoners were meant to be kept in a prison, uh, in a cave. And I don't know how you can bomb a cave. So mm. this is one of the things. Uh, obviously, as I said, uh, we had another version from PKK where that they said they used chemical weapons and then when they were killed, they shot them to show it's, uh, uh, you know, they were executed. But mm. again, even if you do that, I think you can probably see the uh, the impact of the chemical weapons. And it's probably would even be there now and people can investigate. So I, 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 I again, question this version. Again, as I said, because this area, nobody can go there. It's just the Turkish side, the Turkish soldiers, and PKK. So independent observers probably can't prove anything. And we don't have solid proof. But we are just talking based on the open sources that we have seen. Well, that is interesting. I, di I didn't know there's, there was the, the lad had been released in the hook. That changes everything then. If he was found to have been executed, it's likely, I would say, that the others were. You know what I mean? Uh, again, that the problem with this um, guy, we have seen a couple blurred pictures of him where uh. his body is not fully this family because obviously their son was kept by PKK. He was accused of spying. So obviously they really hate PKK. Mm. So I'm not sure if we can 100 for, for a fact take their words as evidence because obviously, you know, they... There's a lot of emotions involved again. Mm -hmm. But I think personally, I am leaning more to this version that they may have been executed. But again, we really don't know. Maybe because the thing is, in this kind of situation where it's very chaotic, everybody tries to, you know, think fast, anything can happen. It's 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 yeah. open for debate. Well, the problem I had, Abdullah, right? So you've got like kind of hardcore apogees were saying to me like they would never do this. The PKK would never do this. And these are, of course, diaspora apogees. They've never seen if, Sorry, for anyone that doesn't know, apogee is someone that's like extremely dedicated to the ideology of Abdullah Ojalan, the leader of the PKK. So these apogees are saying they would never do that. And it's, you know, the diaspora, they've never seen war. And I've said to them, look, I've seen the PKK, you know, in real life, face to face in a war scenario. 
the the videos of them drinking water from the stream and dancing with donkeys and stuff like that in the mountains is all very nice and it's real but then there's also the extremely extremely militant side of the pkk which i've witnessed and it's they get shit done like whether you like it whether you hate it they will do the the damage you know what i mean so to me it's not like, oh, they would never do this. Yes, they would do this. However, my thoughts were maybe they wouldn't do this just because if they got found out, it's going to look very bad for them in the West. But ultimately, they're in the mountains fighting a huge army. And I don't think that it's that unusual that they would go, fuck it. We have to, again, as I said, we have to look at it in a calm and realistic way. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense for PKK, for example, to kill them because... As you said, of, of course, they do have this side. And the, the, the fact is, if you don't have this side, you won't survive. To exactly. And, and another thing you have to, to bear in mind is that if PKK, for example, allowed Turkish soldiers to go there and just take the captives, I mean, this is also something I would, I, I don't think PKK would ever allow because this is a huge victory for Erdogan. Why mm. would they allow that? I mean... Obviously, if you look at it in a humanistic perspective, you'd be like, oh, my God, they have killed captives. Yeah, it happens. As I said, it's, uh, uh, these people have been fighting uh, Turkey for 40 years and they have survived. And there's a reason they have survived, to be honest. Yeah, right. Let, let's not pretend they're angels, right? Exactly. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, when you're a non-state actor, you operate in this environment, mm. okay? And you are fighting a, a very sophisticated army, whether we like it or not, they have been trained by, they are part basically of NATO, like their system is very sophisticated, especially for a, a, a militant group like PKK who are just, you know, fighting with these basic weapons. Obviously, you have to, sometimes you have to be tough, otherwise you won't survive. Obviously, I'm not here, I'm not defending any party, but... I'm just being realistic about the whole yeah. uh, situation. Well, this is the problem. When you try and say, like, look, yes, this is bad in war. Like, I don't like it either. But it's like, you know, it happens. This is what these militant groups will end up doing. The problem is, I think, specifically, a lot of people in the West have a really romantic view of guerrilla warfare. They don't realize how you know, brutal it, it, it often is because, like you said, it's a smaller force fighting a very bigger force. Um, do you think as well that there's possibly a message there? If the PKK did execute all these people, they're kind of telling Turkey, like, we will do it. We will execute your people, your fighters still. You know what I mean? It's quite, uh, for a militant group, in my head, it's like, that's kind of a message. For me, if they have, if they did execute could them, and I think this is, for me, a more plausible uh, version of events, it's that, the thing is, the whole operation was obviously a surprise operation and they just dropped soldiers and then they announced the operation. Mm. So when you are in such a situation, you have to put yourself in, 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 um, in, in this situation. What would you do? I think they may have orders to say if anything like that happened, never allow them, never allow the Turkish side to take them, no matter what. Even if the worst option is to kill them, do that because the other scenario is Turkish, is, is Turkey will take the captives and uh, claim victory. So if you have, if you, if you look at the bigger picture, obviously we talk about 13 human beings but there's more at stake than 30 human beings this is the thing for the for the militants i think you're probably right you know as grisly as that is and i'm sure people get very angry with us for talking about this but that's the reality of what it is for the people fighting the conflict as nasty as that is um there was some reports that some of the captors some of the prisoners of war um they tried to like appeal to the turkish government they tried to send letters via the htp what was that about like this is obviously before they were killed they were they were trying to get out right there was trying to some kind of you know some kind of deal was trying to be made i think again yeah this is the thing right now there's a lot of um there's a lot of debate in turkey and 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 uh, turkish opposition as well are questioning the whole motive of this operation because uh 
there were attempts to uh, release them, but obviously they failed. This is why they did the operation. But Turkish opposition have very valid uh, questions. Some of them are are actually so valid that it's it's making the ruling party so angry because they know it's so. Uh, they are very good questions, and although maybe ordinary people cannot, you know, discuss this whole issue much, but at least the opposition figures, you know, they 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 have more, let's say, freedom to discuss this issue and they have been discussing it uh, i mean it's still in the agenda in, in turkish politics because the whole operation was very i, I would say very irrational mm. and it's i mean you know if you attempt such a thing there is a huge chance that they won't survive you cannot rescue them because you know there is uh, they are in a maybe in a cave in a very mountainous area, and obviously there are a lot of guards who who guard this area. And if 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 for them, if the option is Turkey kill them and rescue the uh, captives, obviously they would probably kill the captives as the worst case, as as uh, you know, uh, lizard evil. But uh, as you said, there were other there were chance there were channels through HDP through other people to rescue the the captives but given the environment in Turkey given we know uh, how Turkish government has you know shifted to the right because of their coalition with MHB uh, and the local politics have prevented any such attempts to succeed so the, right now, the Turkish politics for people who don't know is very toxic. Even some basic things, some very rational basic things are taboo to discuss and you may end up in prison. So if, for example, you say, you know what, let's discuss that. Let's try to find a way to rescue these people. You may end up in prison. It's, it's that bad. So this is yeah. why, although there were attempts to, to rescue them, but because of uh, local politics uh, and because of the situation in Turkey, all these uh, attempts were uh, failed. And I would say, if you again, if you look at the bigger picture, the person responsible for what happened is Erdogan, not necessarily PKK, to be honest, because he did this operation in a rush and uh, without, you know, calculating what will happen to these captives. Yeah, I think that is true going back as far as 2015 when, you know, he scuttled the peace process with this very weird apofidaiing group which probably didn't exist and killed some soldiers, you know, like the the whole thing. Again, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. I say this and people get so tired of me saying it, but I really just don't, the West doesn't seem to understand or it doesn't want to accept that Turkey is operating as a totalitarian regime this is not a democratic government i mean the way i try and get people who are unfamiliar with the situation to realize is this a lad a young man was arrested for saying erdogan looks like Gollum. like uh, you know there's lads doing three years in prison for tweeting against the government like it is that bad so to then try and raise some kind of oh yeah we need to free these prisoners who the pkk are holding it's like you said it's just very dangerous for anybody to do that unfortunately and i think you're right the very the end result of all of that is this horrible massacre in in Gary Mountain. This is the thing. Uh, I, I mean, when it comes to the state of um, democracy in Turkey and all that, the thing is, the worst thing to do in Turkey is to say anything about this whole uh, Kurdish-related issues. This is obviously the worst, and I think for some people, it's very confusing what's happening. You obviously have still have opposition in Turkey. Uh, that, that, but uh, again, normal people cannot discuss things. So it's only the few uh, opposition figureheads. And I think this is why many people in the West are somehow confused with what's happening because they obviously see opposition. And for them, for some people, they have a very robotic thinking when it comes to these things. They're like, okay, in democracy, you have ruling party you have opposition and the opposition are there you have 
CHP and others, which is true, you do have opposition in Turkey, but there are certain things in Turkey, it's just a no-no. Yeah. It doesn't matter which political party you, are, you belong to. So it's it's a very confusing situation, but obviously the, 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 the state of freedoms is deteriorating day by day in Turkey, unfortunately. Definitely, you're right there. It's like, you know, a lot of... Or a lot of people in the West will say, "Oh well, they they are still a democracy. They they've got an opposition party, and it's like, yeah, that's a mirage. It's just vapor. Like they're not actually there to be the opposition. They're there to just show the West, hey, we have got opposition. Don't worry about it. And like they've been completely gutted. Like their teeth have been pulled out. You know, it's it's useless. Uh, when it comes to Turkey and Turkish opposition, here's the thing: they obviously do have. Um, Opposition, I, I do believe they have opposition. But the thing here is the thing. Unless you operate within, a, within a, let's say, within some acceptable standards, you will be like HDP and you'll be excluded and you'll end up in, in prison. So you do have CHP, E-Party and others who are opposition. But here's the thing with opposition in, in in Turkey, when it comes to the important issues, they all agree on 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 everything. When it comes to foreign policy, CHP, E Party, and all of them, for example, supported the operation in in um, in Syria and Iraq. They supported uh, deploying forces to, let's say, Libya. They they supported what happened in Azerbaijan. They support what's happening with the Kurdish issue. So when it comes to the important things, they all agree, except by the way for HDP. So the opposition is there, but mostly it's it's you know the opposition it's opposition opposition to the day-to-day -day politics. But when it comes to the important things, they actually all agree. And by the way, they all supported uh, AKP or uh, the ruling party motions when it comes to all these important. Uh, issues, which are, by the way, I think these are the core uh, issues and problems in Turkey. You're spot on, actually. I remember when uh, Afrin was invading and, and uh, the mercenaries there were filming themselves looting, filming themselves murdering Hevrin Halaf, and uh, the, C the CHP, the so-called moderate party, were cheering the whole thing on and calling the Turkish military heroes for doing it. So, yeah, you, you're right, actually. That is very true. Um, what what knock-on effect do you think this situation in uh, Gara Mountain might have, if any? Uh, obviously, what happened in, in Gara Mountains will, I think, have uh, ripple effects for the uh, months to come. And the thing is, Obviously, that was a defeat for Erdogan. But again, as far as I know, Erdogan, he usually tries to uh, capitalize, invest on these events to uh, further expand his uh, foothold in, in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. Uh, because for him, see what PKK did. So it's an excuse for us to actually further, uh, uh, you know, uh, double down on PKK and tell the Turkish public, see, these are the evil PKK we have to, uh, you know, to become even more violent against them. And this issue have to be solved militarily because now there's blood in their hands and we have to, you know, solve it through uh, military means. So I think in the months to come, obviously, I mean, every year uh, in the summer, Turkey would... Uh, conduct military operations in Iraqi Kurdistan. This is not uh, a new thing, by the way. But I think with this, what, with what happened in Gara, and given the new realities, Turkey would further expand its its uh, foothold in in Iraqi Kurdistan. And we have seen they do have at least a tacit approval of of KDP, which is I think what they need, and which means automatically U.S. wouldn't have uh, a lot of problems with it. Yeah, I think so as well. And I, I honestly, you know, whilst Biden is kind of sending a few things into Syria, into Rojava right now for the Kurds, I don't think that that, that relationship will be severed as quickly as it was with Trump, I think. Yeah, it, this is the thing we have. This is why there's another thing that I have to mention that people don't understand. People have a very black and white view when it comes to these issues. Again, as you said, because 
U.S. cannot be trusted. This is just the way it is. I mean, obviously, U.S. is looking for their own interest. I understand that, and I have no problem with that. But again, the Kurdish side also have the right, you know, to seek ways to try to survive after, let's say, Trump withdraws. This is why we see uh, a lot of local Kurdish groups are trying to get close to regional powers. This is something that I, I, I meant to, uh, to mention here, is that Kurdish parties are not necessarily proxies to regional powers mm. because ideologically they don't believe in them. But they have to play this game because otherwise they won't survive. This is just the way it is. This is why if, if for example, PKK and even YPG and others, if they, ha if, if they were pushed to this direction, they may try to get close to, um, to Assad or to Iran because this is the alternative is they, they will be wiped out by, by Turkey. So you have to be smart and, and play with uh, what's available. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the situation. It's very easy for like, you know, pundits at their desk in DC to say, well, it has to go this way. It's like, well, really, <laughs> you know, like, like you said, the Kurds have as much um, right to, for self-determination as anyone else does, you know what I mean? Um, Abdullah, thank you very much for coming back on, man. Um, where, uh, where can people find your work? Uh, so right now, if you go to Twitter, you can find me and there are also links on my bio. My Twitter is Abdullah Hawes together. And yeah, uh, whatever I have, I publish it there and I put my links all there. It's a pleasure as usual. Speak again soon, mate. Thank you, Jay. Thank Cheers, you. bro. Bye. Abdullah Hawes speaking about the war and subsequent massacre on Gara Mountain in Kurdistan recently in northern Iraq, the autonomous region of Kurdistan. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon. Everything we do here is grassroots, independent, no corporate investment. Uh, go to patreon.com slash popularfront for five pounds a month you can get bonus episodes for 10 pounds you get bonus episodes access to the community discord narrated articles you get uh, episodes early before they go on the normal podcast you get uh, access to this whole series we have called too cool for j school which is just like trying to teach people how to be a journalist uh there's so much there oh yeah and uh, uh documentaries you'll see them first as well on the patreon uh yeah definitely check us out patreon.com slash popular front thank you to our sponsors this episode is sponsored by oracle coffee shop in portland oregon usa they're an independent coffee shop selling only fair trade products see them at 3875 southwest bond avenue 97239 don't see them now obviously because covid is fucking up everything um thank you to our other sponsor uh, grindcore house pair of independent coffee shops in philadelphia usa one in south one in west check them out on social media at grind core house we're going to be doing a uh, special limited edition popular front coffee blend with them soon you'll be able to buy it from them uh, this episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and informing people about historical conflict propaganda. Get prints at propagandopolis.com and use the code popularfront10. You'll get 10% uh, off. Follow us on social media, Twitter at popularfrontco, Instagram at popular.front, YouTube, youtube.com slash popularfront. Uh, if you want to follow me, just uh, at Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. My website, jakehanrahan.com, Popular Front website, popularfront.co. Intro music was by Home, and the outro music, as always, is by Sam Black. Check his music out at samblackpf.com. Uh, if you want to support us, if you want this to keep moving forward, the more money we get, the more money we put back into Popular Front projects, uh, go to patreon.com slash popularfront. Thank you to the uh, following Patreons for keeping this all moving. They are Cherry Cheng, Ben Marshall, Dallas Dunn, Kay Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swoveland, uh, C. O'Donnell, Adam H, Ryan Barbadillo, Damian Boyd, Larson8669, 
Bjorn Kirsten, Diamondstein, Jacob, Michael O'Connor, Taylor Kidd, Zach Picard, Todd Cravens, Alexander, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, Jav, Ian Froese, James Cully, uh, Michael Akakan, Ethan, Fitzmadrid, Joe Watt, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, Clayton Taylor, Helen Degenerate, Mike Barone, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Jojo Arani, DR, Trey Nance, Charlie, Amy R, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Mee, Noir Ease, Christina Rivetti, Naya, Freya Northman, sorry, Ali Hunter, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, Surushe Hawazi, Tony Bin, Adam Bergschneider, Sebastian, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarak, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Diana Gorvanek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, Emily Molly, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, Sandercock uh, Moritz Zumball, K. Hardy Roberts. Thank you all so much. So, yeah, check us out www.popularfront.co. The website will be made a lot better as well soon. Cheers. <laughs>